Hazard Audio. Recorded live at the Launchpad Studios in Chicago. Sports Appeal. This is going to be a home run. I just know it because I can see it in the future. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. Welcome to Sports Appeal. We are formerly known as the Gross Axelrod Show, but now we are Sports Appeal. As always, you have the same hosts. I'm Steve. He's Matt. You can find us every week right here on podbean.com. Search for Hazard Audio. You can find us on the Rivet News Radio app or on Stitcher. Both of those are available on the iTunes App Store or Google Play. Tweet at us at our new Twitter handle, at the Sports Appeal, or email us at sportsappealshow at gmail.com. Always powered by Hazard Audio. And we've got our fantastic producer, Johnny Five, with us. This week's show, we're going to talk about some NFL scandals, the Adidas giving away a, a couple of Porsches at the NFL Rookie Combine, and we're going to talk about our Sports Madness segment. But first, we're going to start with some NBA, with David Silver considering changing the playoff format in upcoming seasons. So it looks like the NBA is considering a new playoff seating format. So the way it would work is the best 16 teams make it. There will be the best three teams, uh, the three division leaders from each division in each conference. So six total teams are guaranteed to make it. And then the best 10 records after that. So it would still be 16 teams making it. And then they just seed them one versus 16, two versus 15, normal tournament style. So you don't have the two competing conferences and then facing off in the NBA championships. It would just be the best team versus the worst team in the playoffs from each conference going from there. I think that's a great move because the Western Conference has been so dominant for so long that we really get cheated out of some of the most compelling matchups because you have all these really good teams. In the West has just been a bloodbath. I mean, you've got San Antonio, the defending champions right now, are the seventh seed. They're going to have to go and play the two seed, and there's a very real chance that they'll get eliminated even though they have a 32-18 and 18 record which would have them second or third in the Eastern Conference. Right, and the inequality between the two conferences, this is really the only the only sport where you see that. And before the Western Conference started their dominance, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I guess, the Eastern Conference was really dominant. You know, the All-Star game was always won by the East, and they had all the big stars. So this is kind of the only sport where you see that kind of inequality happening. And I think it's a good thing, too, because like you said, you know, it would be the best teams, the teams with the best record as opposed to the best teams in the East, the best teams in the West. If the playoffs started today, we'd have two teams from the East with losing records making the playoffs, and you'd have the Pelicans missing the playoffs 27 and 24. And the Oklahoma City Thunder missing the playoffs at 25 and 25. Now, I think they will end up making the playoffs, but New Orleans won't. And I'd really like to, at least I don't think New Orleans will, and I'd really like to see Anthony Davis get a shot in the playoffs. Yeah, I'd much rather watch him than the Miami Heat, who are 21 and 29. Or Charlotte, 22 and 28, without really any very compelling players to watch. Besides Jefferson, who's good, but, I mean, really, that's not nearly as exciting as watching Anthony Davis. Kimball Walker is pretty good. I like watching him, but you're, you're right about that. Um, this is just one of the things that the NBA is doing to try to improve their marketability. Another thing that they're trying to do is with the the slam dunk contest. They tried the team thing last year with the free dunking session, which was just, it was kind of like a layup line where guys just dunking all over the place and things kind of got lost on it. So I'm glad they did away with the team thing, but it still needs to be fixed. The slam dunk contest has lost a lot of its luster from when you and I were kids. We used to look forward to the slam dunk contest so much, but now it's just, 
a bunch of nobodies kind of in the thing. This year they've got Victor Oladipo, the Greek freak whose name I cannot pronounce, Mason Plumley, who's a seven foot white dude, and Zach Levine, who he's a legitimate contender in this thing. Yeah, and, and some of his dunk highlights are pretty excellent. But at the same time, that's a pretty barren field of competitors in general outside of Zach Levine. Right. So I think there's a couple of things the NBA can do to fix the slam dunk contest and bring it back to the glory days. I think one of the things they can do is have fans vote in the participants. Because right now, guys like LeBron James, who we would love to see do this, just is kind of choosing not to do it. But if he got voted in by the fans and then you're going to tell me he's going to choose to not do it after getting voted in, there's no way. That would be so bad for his brand. So I think that's a great way to do it to get the stars involved. I agree. I love that idea. And then another thing that I just hate is the props. The props that these guys use can be really lame. The whole blindfold thing, and then he wasn't even really blindfolded from a couple of years ago, was was terrible. And then Blake Griffin jumping over the corner of the hood of a mid-sized sedan. I'm not impressed. Blake Griffin is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Love watching that guy dunk. That was not impressive to me. And then the fact that they used it in commercials. Like, if you're going to show me a commercial, just do it as a commercial. Don't try and sell it to me as part of the slam dunk contest, which is supposed to be for our entertainment. Speaking of Blake Griffin, just came out that he's out. He has a staph infection in his elbow. Should be out four or six weeks. So we wish him a speedy recovery because he is one of the more entertaining players in the game right now and seems to be a good guy in general. Absolutely. I'm glad he'll be back for the playoffs because the Clippers will be there. He'll be back just in time for their second round exit. Back to the slam dunk contest, though. I want to talk about Zach Levine because he's already come out and said he's probably not going to be using props. He's going to go back to the old style school of dunking. And uh, Flip Saunders, his coach, they told the the media, watch out for this kid because this is going to be awesome. So I cannot wait to see what he does. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to throw it to our producer, Johnny Five, right now for the Tweet Zone, uh, where we read some of the tweets that we've gotten uh, in the past week. Tweet Zone. Hit the tweets. All righty. For our Tweet Zone, we've got uh, Brian Hannon uh, at bhannon11 saying, Hey, guys, where do you think James Shields will end up and with what kind of deal? Are the Cubs serious suitors now? So it sounds like the Padres are probably going to sign him. They, everybody seems to think that he it's almost a done deal that he's going to the Padres. And I heard about four years, $70 million deal, which is surprising because more recent, pretty recently I'd heard that the market had really cooled on him and he was probably looking at like a three-year, $35 million deal, maybe or two-year, $35 million, three-year, $50 million deal was the range he was looking at. And now it sounds like he's going to get that fourth year, which is a lot for, for a guy who's already 33. But it is. That's, yeah. what you, that's what you have to do in a free agent market. Yeah, that's the nature of free agency. Is if, if you want a guy, you're going to have to overpay for him because you know, they're going to have five, six teams who offer him what, what he's actually worth. So if you want to get him, you have to offer him more than that, either in years or in dollars. And it sounds like the Padres are kind of doing a little bit of both. Right. But he lives in San Diego already. So, you know, it's kind of a good fit for him anyway. And he said he wants to go there. As for the Cubs, if that fourth year is being offered, I don't see them trying to match that. I can see them wanting to sign him through through when he's 36 or, you know, after he's 37, not sure when his birthday is. But I can see them giving him a three-year deal. With where they are right now and how cost-controlled most of their talent is, and after signing John Lester, that blockbuster deal, I don't think they want to hamstring themselves to a near $20 million a year deal for the next four years. I just don't see that being a smart move for the Cubs. So I doubt he will end up in Chicago. Yep, and some people think the Yankees are a dark horse, but Brian Cashman has pretty much said, 
our heavy lifting for the off season is done. What heavy lifting? I didn't do any heavy lifting. What are you talking about? D.D. Gregorius. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next one. All righty. At 86 Tiff is saying, hey, guys, soccer seems to be growing more and more. Do you think soccer will ever be more prominent than football in the U.S.? Big one for you guys. Short answer, no, I don't. Football is the most popular sport in America, and they've had a lot of image issues recently, and it's still growing at a record rate. Yeah, this was football's most profitable year ever, I believe, despite being an absolute catastrophe in terms of the, the public image. Oh, yeah, their their PR department has been <laughs> earning their money this year. Uh, but baseball being the second most popular sport, followed by basketball and hockey, I could see soccer overtaking at least two, if not all three of those in the near future. Right. And soccer is so popular worldwide. I think almost a billion people watched at least a minute of the championship of the World Cup last summer. And that kind of popularity worldwide, with how much of a melting pot the United States still to an extent is, it wouldn't surprise me to see it continue to grow in popularity and take over and catch up with at least a couple of those sports. Yeah. And baseball being four hours every time you sit down to watch it, it's tough to do that. So that concludes our tweet zone. So we'd like for you guys to tweet us at our new Twitter handle. Once again, that's at the sports appeal. So tweet us some questions or feedback or anything that you guys want to talk about. Just talk shit to Matt and I. That's fine too. Tweet at us and we'll, we'll read your tweets on the air. Let's go talk about some college hoops. Finally, we haven't talked about any college hoops at all yet. And unfortunately for me, the biggest story this week was Syracuse University and self-imposing a postseason ban on their basketball team. So they're not going to be able to participate in the NCAA tournament the ACC tournament, or even the NIT, which is kind of like the uh, consolation bracket for college basketball tournaments. So there are a couple parts of this story that are interesting. First of all, it looks like they're trying to avoid getting sanctioned next year when they have supposedly a better uh, better class of students, more talented class of students playing. And so they want to do that when they really only have one really good player this year in Rakeem Christmas. So it stinks for him because this is his senior year. I'm not too broken up about that because he's probably going to make it to the NBA. The other interesting thing about their self-imposed ban, it gets to me more that I don't like how the teams are being banned. I don't. I think that's a miscarriage of justice. Anytime that these teams have sanctions brought upon them, I don't like that the players are punished for things that usually transgressions that were not committed by the players and that happened before they were even students at the school. Yeah, this I, was in 2007 that this happened. Yeah, that's that's just not fair to me. And these players are being punished for the transgressions of other students and, and the officials at the school. And I think one solution, I don't know if they're allowed to do this, but I think it would make more sense to do kind of like what the pro leagues do and find the school officials and actually hit them in the pocketbooks where it would really hurt. Yeah, I'm not sure if they can do that or not, to be honest with you. It would be something interesting to look into. But I kind of resent the fact that people are saying that Syracuse is taking the easy way out on this. I guess they kind of are, but like I said, this happened in 2007. None of the current athletes were involved in this, um, and the academic violations were self-reported. Syracuse went to the NCAA and said, hey, you know, we, we found these discrepancies, and we want to make sure that we're following all the rules. So the fact that they're choosing this season instead of next season to do it, I don't think is really that big of a deal. I think it's smart, because next year they have an awesome recruiting class coming in. They've got uh, this garden, Malachi Richardson, which if you guys haven't seen tape on this guy, you should look him up. And they're probably not even going to make the NCAA tournament this year anyway. So just try to soften the blow of some self-reported violations. I think it's a smart thing to do. One more story in college hoops this week to talk about is the Kentucky Wildcats. 23-0. and And it looks like they might go undefeated this year, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they probably will. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if they don't. 
I mean, any any even really, really good team can come out with a stinker of a game on some night and lose to an unlikely opponent. I mean, for example, in the Chicago Bulls historic 95-96 season, when they set the record in 72 wins and 10 losses, they lost to the Toronto Raptors in their first year even as an NBA team. They finished with a 21-61 record, and yet they still managed to beat the Bulls. So you really, you never know when one team is going to come out really good and even though the team's not that good usually everyone just catches on fire and Kentucky could just put up a stinker of a game I think that this is just an asinine comparison by you the professional basketball is so much different than college basketball first of all the season you're talking about was 20 years ago secondly the gap between the good NBA teams and bad NBA teams is so much smaller than the gap between good college teams and bad college teams I mean, Kentucky has had a couple stinkers. They went to overtime against Ole Miss, double overtime against Texas A&M, uh, which those are both bubble teams. They may or may not make the tournament this year. So they've had a couple of stinkers already, and they've come out on top. But let me throw some other numbers at you. They have 15 wins by 15 points or more, and they're 4-0 against the top 25. I think this team legitimately has what it takes to go undefeated. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying I will not be surprised if they don't. And to your point, that double overtime game and the couple other overtime games they've had against teams that are good but not great, all it takes is one lucky shot going in or one shot not falling for Kentucky, and one of those is a loss already. So that didn't happen, but that's not to say that it won't happen in one of their remaining games. I just think they're too deep. They have nine high school Americans on their team, and there is no NBA team that has more than that. Book it. You're here with us at Sports Appeal with your hosts Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. We'll be right back. Hazard Audio. Hey there, Johnny Five here, producer of GAS, The Gross Axelrod Show. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, you can reach out to Hazard Audio. Hit us up with an email that's hazardradio.audio at gmail.com or you can call 516-770-7120. That's 516-770-7120. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Once again, this is Sports Appeal. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Steve Gross. That's Matt Axelrod over there, recording live at the Launchpad Studio in Chicago, Illinois. You can find us every week right here on podbean.com. Uh, just search for Hazard Audio on there and you'll find us. Or you can get us on the Rivet News Radio or Stitcher apps available on the iTunes App Store or Google Play. Once again, we'd love for you guys to tweet at us. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Appeal or email us at sportsappealshow at gmail.com. As always, we're powered by Hazard Audio and our wonderful producer, Johnny Five. In the first half of the show, we talked a little bit of hoops, and we're actually going to recommend a game for you guys to watch. We're going to start doing this every week, call it the Sports Appeal Game of the Week. What we're going to do is we're going to tell you to watch this game, and then we are actually going to watch the game, and we'll tweet during the game and start a conversation with you guys. You can tell us what you think, or uh, tell us that we're idiots if you choose to do that. So this week, our Game of the Week is... We want to watch the Houston Rockets at LA Clippers game. It's Wednesday night at 9.30 Central on ESPN. I think it should be a great game. Potential playoff matchup right now. They're the third and sixth seeds, I believe, in the Eastern Conference. Or sorry, in the Western Conference. So that could be either first or second round matchup quite possibly, and both very fun teams to watch with some great players, James Harden, Dwight Howard, if Dwight Howard's back. On the Clippers, you've got Chris Paul. Unfortunately, Blake Griffin, it looks like, is going to be out. 
but it still should be a good matchup. Always fun to watch those two teams. Good, high-scoring Western Conference teams. So please join us at, at the Sports Appeal. Yeah, dial up our Twitter page and uh, have a conversation with us during the game. Let's move on to the NFL. We've got some scandals to talk about here, Matt. Uh, there's a few of them going on right now. We've got the Flategate. We've got the Browns front office members sending text messages down to the sideline during the game, which is a no-no. And we also have the Falcons pumping artificial crowd noise into the stadium to make it louder during their home games. Which of these do you think is the worst and which of these do you really not care about at all? It's really hard to say because we haven't had the whole story break on the Brown scandal or Deflategate. Investigations are still ongoing with those. Seems like we know pretty much everything with the Atlanta Falcons. But I would say just based on what I know, it sounds like the Atlanta Falcons one should be the most impactful. So that's the one that bothers me the most. And yet the Falcons have been dreadful the last couple seasons that this has been going on. So I don't know. I, I don't care too much about any of these. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think any of these had a huge effect on the game. Teams have been caught for pumping crowd noise in before. I'm not sure what, I don't remember exactly what kind of punishment they had, but it wasn't anything significant because I don't remember it. So yeah, I don't really care about that. The Browns thing, the rumor is that the GM was texting down to the sideline that he wanted Johnny Manziel to be in the game, which that turned out to not be an advantage at all. And the deflate gate thing, again, you and I talked about it before. Just We just don't care about that. Right, and especially don't care about it because in the second half of that game against the Colts, after it had been determined and those footballs were pulled, the Patriots played even better. So who knows how big of an impact it really even has. Right, but I think the bigger story here isn't these individual scandals, but it's the fact that all three of these things are coming out at the same time. The NFL has had big image problems this year with Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice. They've taken a lot of hits this year in the PR department, as we talked about earlier, but it still continues to grow as the most popular game. And it, it makes you wonder how many other teams are doing things and not getting caught. And you've got 10% of the league here, basically, that have known scandals of cheating of some sort or other, and how many teams are doing it that, that haven't been caught. And then you've got... Jerry Rice, I love this story. He's all criticizing the Patriots for cheating, and then he admits a couple days later that he used stickum, and he justifies it by saying, "Yeah, everybody used stickum on their hands to make it easier to catch balls back in the day, back before they had these high tech gloves that everyone uses now." Right. And I mean, yeah, he's right, but the problem isn't that people are criticizing him because of the hypocrisy of calling out another team for cheating and then admitting to cheating himself. Yeah, I mean, uh, teams do whatever they can to gain some kind of competitive advantage, and I don't know. It's kind of a moral gray area, I guess, but I guess I, I understand it. Like, if if, it, if you can do it within the rules, that's fine. If you want to push the boundaries, you deal with the consequences, and that's kind of what's going on here is teams are just saying, you know what, I know what the risk is, and it's something I'm willing to take to get this advantage. Moving on past these scandals, let's talk about something positive coming up for the NFL. Talk about the future of the NFL with their rookies. Adidas has said that at the Rookie Combine, they're going to give away a Porsche to the three fastest prospects who sign with Adidas and wear their cleats. It's the out of zero five-star 4.0 cleats. So the athletes have to sign with Adidas and wear these cleats, and those three fastest guys are going to get a Porsche. Other than the fact that the Porsche looks pretty friggin' ugly, I, <laughs> yeah. I I think it's a really cool story. I think it's a great way for Adidas to drum up business and to get the best athletes sponsored by them. And I think it's a really cool giveaway. I mean, these are it's expensive for them to do. So obviously they're gonna they plan on recouping their investment. 
but it's just a really cool, innovative idea. Yeah, last year, uh, they did this last year, apparently, which I, was not even a story last year, but apparently Brandon Cooks got the same deal and he got $100,000 for being the fastest last year. I think the only downside to this is these rookies are going to have to pay taxes on, the, on these Porsches. That's not going to be cheap at all. Yeah, but if they're, if they're that fast, they're probably going relatively high in the draft and they should be able to afford the taxes on the car. Oh, yeah, they're going to have much bigger tax things to worry about by the time tax season rolls around next year. Let's do some sports madness, Matt. I love sports madness. Let's do it. Sports madness. We're going to start with Lance Armstrong. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you've heard this story by now, but uh, at the end of last year, Lance Armstrong was out partying and hit a couple of parked cars on his way home. When the cops showed up, he blamed it on his girlfriend. He and his girlfriend agreed that she was going to take the blame. Apparently, he just didn't have the balls to own up to it. Didn't have the ball, yeah. <laughs> this story just came out. This broke, I think, three days ago that uh, the police figured out that Lance was the one driving, and so now he is being being charged with a hit and run. Just a continued disgrace of Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just absolutely crumbled the last few years. So we'll move on to the second story, and Matt, you're a Bears fan. You love this. Yeah, this is great. Latroy Guyon on the Green Bay Packers was pulled over during a routine traffic stop. I guess he had his head hanging out the window of his car and couldn't stay in his lane. And then he was acting all funny and suspicious when the cop pulled him over and came up to the car and smelled like weed. So the cop searched the car, found 357 grams of marijuana. That's three-quarters of a pound, give or take. That's a lot of marijuana. Also found, get this... A hundred ninety thousand dollars in cash and a nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol. So he he was looking at a big contract extension from the Green Bay Packers, most likely, and that's not happening anymore. He's probably now looking at some time away behind bars. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think Packers fans were kind of hoping he would be the replacement for B.J. Raji, who has really fallen off in the last couple of years but now it looks like he's just going to be spending some time in the uh, in the pen it's good for bj raji bad for the packers and really bad for latroy Guyon, and all those poor customers who are going to have to go without i like this story even more honestly kyle shanahan wanted to get out of his new contract he just signed with the browns last season wanted out after one year after the shit show that happened to the browns this year so he apparently delivered a 32-slide PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to head coach Mike Pettin to let him out of his contract, and they ended up letting him out. You know things are bad for your organization when your brand-new offensive coordinator comes up with this whole presentation to be like, get me out of here. Here are all the reasons I need to leave, and there are a ton of them. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad because the Browns have had a lot of this going on lately with uh, Jordan Cameron recently saying he kind of wants to get out of there. They've had a lot of problems with Josh Gordon and Johnny Manziel. They're just in total disarray right now. Yeah, and Johnny Manziel, uh, speaking of him, he just checked himself in a rehab. Sounds like he's doing that voluntarily, and good move for him. I mean, I'm never one to say, oh, yeah, that guy needs to go to rehab. But if, if he, since he came out and said and made the decision for himself, Anytime someone's willing to do that, I completely back them on it. Uh, Wish them all the support and all the luck in the world. He's always said the right things as far as owning up to it. He's always said, you know, know, I've made a lot of mistakes and I need to learn from this and I need to grow. I need to, to mature a lot. So it's nice to see him actually taking steps towards that end. You know, saying things is one thing. 
that's the first step because a lot of people, Josh Gordon hasn't even gotten to that step yet. Right. He's just, he's still saying like, oh, you guys don't know me. I don't have a problem. I'm fine. And he writes very eloquently in support of himself, but he's been suspended three years in a row. Right. seems like we've heard this all from him before. It's starting to, to be a little less convincing when you keep hearing it and he keeps not performing on it. It doesn't seem to bother him that he is getting suspended for it either. He's just like, oh, well, whatever. You know, they're busting my balls, testing me all the time. Yeah, they are, because you put yourself in that situation. Now, to be fair, I don't like the rules. I don't think that NFL players should be suspended for recreational drug use. I just don't think that that should be the case. As long as they're performing on the field, that's what should really matter. But that is the rule, and I think he's being really, really stupid and not supporting his own career and not supporting himself by continuing to flout his contract. So do you suggest that the NFL just doesn't test for recreational drug use anymore? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm suggesting. Wow, that's a radical point of view. I haven't even heard anyone say I don't know how to respond to that. I've never heard anyone say that before. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think it should matter whatsoever. I think the biggest reason that it is tested for, at least one of the biggest reasons, is trying to make a good example to young kids. Yeah. But if they don't test for it in the first place, then this isn't going to be a story. You don't hear, oh, look at all these, you know, really successful people who are doing all these hard drugs or, you know, drinking lots of lots of alcohol. It's just not even an issue anymore. So you don't have the, the countervailing argument like, look at all these successful people who are still doing drugs. I don't know, Matt. I mean, it's it's kind of about the image of the NFL at that point because these guys start, like Guyon, start getting arrested with all the, these drugs on them and Josh Gordon got DUI and, you know, there's rumors about Johnny Manziel doing cocaine in Vegas and all that stuff. You know, it starts to become an image problem for the NFL and if they're not getting out in front of it by testing these guys, then they're just kind of welcoming that criticism and they have enough to deal with as it is. They don't need to, this in addition to it. I don't think it seems to be doing a whole lot in terms of actually deterring people. So I think that while I, I agree with what you're saying in principle, I don't think they're actually helping the image issue whatsoever because you're creating more news and more headlines by having these stories about guys who would have gone under the radar uh, who are still phenomenal athletes that are now getting caught for, for failing drug tests. Totally disagree 100%. You, if you read any of these old stories about, you know, the old school players and what they used to do well, back when, the, you know, recreational testing it was done, but not nearly to the extreme that it's done now, you know, Lawrence Taylor was on crack while he was playing in games. You know, for you to say that it's not helping at all is absolutely ludicrous. That is one of the most ridiculous things you've ever said, and you say some ridiculous shit. I don't know. I'd like to see an actual study of whether there are more drug stories now, more actual stories about guys doing drugs and getting caught doing drugs now, or back before they had the recreational drug testing the way that they do now, because I bet that there's more headlines now. Yeah, there are more headlines now, because back in the 70s, you know, people didn't have that kind of access, and there was no there was no internet. Al Gore hadn't invented it yet. <laughs> so there are more stories now, but if you read any of the retired players' accounts of what the locker room used to be like and what these guys used to do, it was a much more rampant problem back then. And with the exposure that the league has in today's day and age, I think they have to. They have to test for recreational drugs. They don't have a choice. Well, I disagree, Steve. You guys tell us what you think. Tweet us at the Sports Appeal or email us at sportsappealshow at gmail.com. That's all the time we have for today. You're here with us on Sports Appeal. Your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod, every week right here on podbean.com. Just search for Hazard Audio. We're also on the Rivet News Radio app and the Stitcher app. Powered as always by Hazard Audio and produced by Johnny Five. Hazard Audio.